0: Hey, this is Junior Ziegler. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope this time in God's Word encourages you. Hope it brings you closer to God. Hope it challenges your perspective. Glad you're joining. Enjoy the message. everyone it's good to see you all and you're probably wondering why I have a juggler up here I just figured he would do this the whole time I preach um, just to keep you attentive I uh, know this is this is my brother-in-law Scott um, Scott married my sister about a year ago almost a year ago now he's quickly become one of my best friends but this is not why I'm up here I actually have him up here to juggle um, so I've asked him to juggle a few different items right now he's juggling two tennis balls but I want to introduce a glass ball and I want to see if if he can do this so I'm gonna hand this to Scott And uh, so now you're all just waiting for the glass ball to to drop here. Right now, everything Scott is juggling is not equal, is it? Like, he could drop a tennis ball and it'll just bounce. If he drops the glass ball, it'll just break. So, for example, right now, Scott, if you don't mind just dropping one of the tennis balls, it's fine, right? Fine. In fact, I can even introduce it back and he can go back, pick it up, and start juggling again. But, Scott, let's... Drop the glass ball, let's just kind of see what happens here. We can't pick that back up and start juggling. Like Scott, you're not going to want to juggle that no. anymore, are you? <laughs> hey, give it up for Scott. Thanks Scott, thanks for coming out here. I, uh, I'm glad I'm not barefoot. I, uh, I wanted Scott to come out here because I, 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 want us to, I want us to see what we're juggling a little bit differently. Because we're all juggling something right now, throughout our weeks. We're all juggling things in life like work, and uh, friendships, and marriage, and children. And they're very, very different. You drop the ball at work, it'll be a tennis ball. It'll bounce back. I mean, worse comes to worse. You might lose your job, which is awful, but it's not going to be like this life-defining, you know, crisis. Drop the ball with a friendship or drop the ball with a hobby. It's like a tennis ball. It's going to be just fine. It'll bounce back. Not all things that you're juggling are equal. You're juggling some tennis balls on a glass ball. Drop the fragile glass ball of family, marriage. It'll be pieces on a floor that you can't gather back up, piece back together, and continue to juggle. It'll be too late. It's that cats in the cradle story. And we've all seen it, haven't we? We've all seen marriages crash, we've seen kids being rejected in the name of career progression, parents not being present. Like I think we would all agree our society knows it well. It's the reason we have a lot of issues in our world today because of the breakdown of the family. And so today I wanna talk about the family and I wanna talk specifically about work and family. How do you balance the two? And I know right out of the gate, it seems like I'm leaving out a lot of our singles. And those of you who are are single in here, we have so many singles in our church, and I love our singles. They are working like mad, serving around here like crazy. Um, Our church would not be what it is today if it weren't for our singles. I love our singles so much, and in no way do I want you to feel alienated from this topic today. Um, Instead, I hope that you can come along for a couple of reasons. First off... Some of you singles, you might might desire to one day have a family, not all of you, but some of you might desire to one day have a family, and this is the time right now to, to think through this stuff and establish that foundation. But also, if you're single, you have a lot of friends and family members who are juggling work and family right now. And we as Christians, we're never exempt from certain topics in scripture because it's not relevant to us. We need, to know, we need to know it all so we can be a blessing to those around us. And so if you're, si- if you're single and you're here today and you're thinking, man, we're talking about work and family, seriously? Like this has nothing to do with me? No, it does, and I want you to, I want you to come with. I, I, don't want, I don't want you to, uh, to tune out. To add to that, I know there's also people in this room, I'm sure there's people in this room who have some regrets when it comes to family and work. And so you might be past that, like, you know, daily hourly parenting stage, and your kids might be older, and you might be looking back going, man, this is like too late for me now, and I have some bigger regrets, and in no way do I want to rub salt into a wound at all. We serve a great and gracious God who is not done. He's not done, and so I hope that, that this time doesn't make you feel worse. Instead, I hope that you can sit there and really cheer this on from somebody who maybe learned a little bit the hard way. I think we would all agree the church has to talk about this, the church has to talk about work and family, and so we've gotta we've gotta be on it. And last night I was here with our Saturday night service. I was so so thankful for a lot of our singles and a lot of our even our uh, more I'll say it, seasoned people who came up to me afterwards saying, "Hey, this wasn't so relevant to me, but man, I was so glad that we as a church we talked about this." And so um, I hope that you, I hope that you come along for this. So let's talk about work and family. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter five today. Ephesians chapter five. We're going to look at two verses. Verses 15 and 16. So, really encourage you to grab a Bible. We got Bibles in the chairs. Otherwise, phones, tablets, those work great as well. We got the Bridge app. But Ephesians 5 15 to 16. You know, as a church, one of the things that, um, when it comes to what we teach and how we choose what we teach. Usually what we choose is a book in the Bible, and we'll go through that book, and we'll take like eight to ten weeks. We did that with uh, with Timothy, um, the beginning of this year. Um, we'll just pick a book, and we'll just kind of march through it verse by verse. It's really how I prefer to preach. For me, it's a lot easier to preach that way. But um, throughout the year, we'll take a couple of breaks throughout the year. We take we call them these mini-series, or like two- to four-week-long series, where we just get like super, super, super uber-practical and talk about stuff that's happening in the home and talk about with stuff that's happening at work and what the Bible says about that. And so that's what we're really doing with this series is we're just kind of taking a time out from going verse by verse uh, through a book and we're just gonna get super, super practical. Today's especially one of those days. We're gonna look at Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 for, for a little bit and then we're just gonna get crazy practical and talk about family and work and, and how can we balance the two. Uh, so let's read this. Ephesians 5, 15 to 16. Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he says this. He says, Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Father, I ask that you bless our time in in your word today. This is your word. Our creator has spoken to us using this book. We thank you so much that we can open it, that we can study it, and that you speak to us. You're still speaking to us. Father, I ask that we're all listening today. Let your Holy Spirit work in our hearts, illuminate this text to us, but also bring to mind issues in our home and at work that we really need to work on so that we can leave this place changed because of being in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's look, let's look at this text phrase by phrase. All right, first phrase in here, Paul writes, look carefully then how you walk. Paul's kind of painting this idea of paying attention, paying so close attention to where you're putting your, your feet. How you're walking. It's kind of like like this summer. uh, Earlier this summer, my wife and I had the opportunity to hike a place called Pulpit Rock. Pulpit Rock. It's this 2,000-foot cliff overlooking the North Sea. Straight drop. Um, This cliff is 500 feet taller than the Sears Tower or the Willis Tower, whatever we're calling it now. Uh, It's like being on the roof of the Willis Tower and looking straight down without any rails. And I don't like height, so this is not my cup of tea. But I like hiking, so we were hiking up, and as we're hiking up the trail to this this cliff, I noticed that my wife, she just kept on tripping, she kept stumbling. I don't know if it was her shoes, I don't know if she was falling for me again, I don't know if the Norwegians maybe slipped something in her water bottle, I don't know what was going on, but she she kept on on stumbling every once in a while on the hike up. But I also noticed once we got near the cliff, she did not stumble. Because one little stumble and she'd fall straight down the cliff into the North Sea. And so she was being very, very, very careful. She was very alert. She was very intentional with her feet placement. I mean, I got to the edge. I started crawling. Um, Call me a wuss, but a lot of people stayed behind. They wouldn't even go to the edge. It was just, I I do not like heights, but I had to look, you know, over the edge. But I started crawling. Then I look over at my my wife. She's hanging her feet off the cliff. Um, She's hanging her head off the cliff and taking selfies straight down. (laughs) Made me freak out. I cannot lose my wife. You know how bad I would be at dating again? I I would just be, I'd be like that lonely old man out in the cabin, like, I I need my wife. So my stomach is like churning, just looking at her on the edge of the cliff, because we had to be so extremely careful as to what we were doing, where we were putting our feet and and where we were. Um, That's kind of what Paul is getting at here. Have you ever been in a situation where your your senses are so heightened? They're so heightened that you know exactly where you are, where things are at, because you had to be so careful. That's exactly what Paul is getting at with this text. He's saying, go about your calendar, go about your schedule, go about your task list, go about your day so carefully. Know what you're doing, know why you're doing it, don't do things willy-nilly, don't just fill your calendar up. Life is this tightrope, so be very careful, be very intentional, be alert about your schedule. Why? Well, to make the best use of time. And I love this phrase. There's so much more to this phrase than what meets the eye. It's really easy to, to just read past this. Um, there's so much more to this phrase, but we have to look at it in the original language uh, to, to bring it to life. So, so let's do that. The, uh, the original language here for this phrase is "exogarazo." Um, which sounds like a Harry Potter spell, you know, exagorazo. But uh, exagorazo, I I, I know, that means like nothing to you. I just like to say it because it it makes me sound smart. Um, Actually, we have a lot of Greek people in our church who they are always correcting me and saying, Junior, that's not really how you say that Greek word. So I've looked it up and I've asked a few people. So it's exagorazo, and exagorazo is this phrase that means buying back, to buy back. You ever get rid of something and then you want it back, you want to purchase it back? Um, When I found out I was having a third child, I had a truck at the time, and I sold my truck because it wouldn't fit three kids in the back seat, and now I really want a truck back. I want to buy that back. It's kind of like what it's exo It's kind of what what it's saying. Buy back, only in this instance, in this context, buying back time. Because we waste time. We get rid of time. And Paul is telling us here, exagorazo. Buy it back. Get it back. Be more efficient. Make the best use of time. Because if we don't, if we don't walk carefully, if we're not intentional and alert, our homes will be on the ground. Shattered on the ground. Because the days are evil and the enemy wants nothing more than to see your family just like this. And so we must... Walk carefully, making the best use of time. That makes sense, but how does that look practically? How does that speak into how we're balancing our careers? Because many of us, most of us, maybe not all of us, I mean, come on, let's just shoot straight, too many of us don't ever leave work. Like our bodies leave work? but we don't leave work. It's like this dark magic trick. I don't know necessarily how we do it. Like our body is at home, but our mind and our heart is still at work. And so we'll sit across from our spouse in the conversation, but we're not registering much of anything that they're saying because we're still in that two o'clock meeting wondering why Frank can't get work done, right? And if we have kids, we may be physically present in the car with them, driving them to their game or, or at, at home with them. But we're on our phones, catching up with emails and editing our calendar. Again, mind is elsewhere. And then we catch ourselves kind of going off on our kids because they're wanting our attention. But our attention is on, is on the juggle and we can't, we can't give them any more attention. And deep down, we want nothing more than to be able to give our families full focus, we want nothing more than to be able to walk carefully with our families. We want nothing more than to be able to or to buy back time with our families. But come on, the career is too demanding. It's all consuming. And so our families end up getting garbage time, and we know it, we feel bad about it. But what else can you do? We'll grab those notes because God's word has got some insight into this. Two, two practical ways to balance work and family. I know usually we do three. I kind of have a thing for the number three, but it's just two today. All right, just two today. Number one, number one, to find balance with work and family. When at work, work. When at work, work. Maybe this sounds like something I don't even need to say, but I think I need to say it. Scripture says whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And I think that there are too many Michael Scotts at work watching YouTube, and then walking around distracting the rest of the employees. And I kind of say that tongue-in-cheek, but I also kind of say it for real. Most, if not all of us, are guilty of wasting time at work. I read a Forbes magazine article this past week uh, showing the gross amounts of time wasted in our offices, like on social media, uh, shooting the breeze, smoke breaks, you know, extended lunches, and we end up paying for that time because that wasted time spills over into our personal lives and we got to make up that time elsewhere somewhere else and so usually it's our families that end up footing the bill. And so Paul is saying, here's how you exagerazzo. Here's how you buy back time. Be very intentional, be very careful, be intentional when you're at work. Be intentional. Be intentional. Be intentional with your time at work. I'm not saying you have to be that person who's like, doesn't talk to anybody and locks himself in their cubicle, has no friendships at work, you know, tracks how many minutes they're talking to people, always looking at their watch as people are talking, you know, I'm not saying you have to be like this bureaucratic time cop. Like we should be a blessing to those we work with. And I know there's something to be said of like, having fun at work and having relationships at work and all that. that, that helps office cultures. I understand that. I'm not saying you have to be like super rigid. What I'm saying is, is be careful at work. Be calculated with where you're spending your time. We could all be more efficient when it comes to our work, and that would help out our homes. Make the most of when you're at work so that your home doesn't have to foot the bill for that waste of time. So be intentional, but also leave. Leave. Leave work. <laughs> I get it, this is so difficult for me to do. Especially if I have an unfinished goal for the day. I usually write down goals for each day and if I don't have that goal finished by the end of the day, I'm bothered. But something that I'm learning is that the longer I'm at work, the less productive and creative that I am. And so I have to leave work, go engage the family and then I come back the next day and I'm way more productive because I'm refreshed. And so there are times where I have to Physically close my computer, gritting my teeth because I have something undone and that bothers me. And I, I seriously, I just have to, have to make myself stand up. Uh, Michael Hyatt, you may have heard of him. He's a, he's a famous blogger, um, very popular. He has his lights timed at 545 to just turn off. And when his lights turn off, he can't turn them back on. He has to go home and have dinner with his family. And he leaves. Very ex- he's like an extremely successful, high-capacity guy. And he just leaves the office. So don't believe that BS lie that success means you have to put in more hours than you really should. The Harvard Business Review argues that someone who works 40 to 50 hours a week can get just as much done, if not more work, than somebody who puts in 60 to 70 hours a week. And and, and they make the case that at some point in the day, and this is true, we all know this, at some point in the day, production significantly drops. Your brain just kind of downshifts. Creativity crashes. And if you push through that, you're just wasting time. Yet someone who's very intentional with their time during the day and then leaves and then comes back with fresh eyes and a fresh mind, they can get way more done. Before Harvard Business Review, though, there was Paul, and he had it first. He's saying, (laughs) buy back your time. (laughs) Buy it back. This is how you do it. So let me just give some of you an excuse because some of you really struggle with this, right? Leave work. And when you leave work, leave work. It's okay. The place is not going to burn down. It doesn't need you as bad as you think it needs you. So leave. It's good for your head. It's good for your heart. It's good for your family. It's even good for your place of work. Hard to do. So necessary. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, all right, Junior, listen, I get this. All right, I'm not like arguing with you, but Junior, I can't leave work. You don't know my boss. And also, I don't waste time at work. And my family is still suffering, so this isn't really helping me. Well, then I would argue a big change needs to happen then. Look what Proverbs twenty four twenty seven says. Proverbs says this, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that build your house. Now, there's a lot of applications here, but really what the writer is saying is, is work, when you're at work, work, work hard, do good work, but then after that go home, leave. There's this There's this transition time that you have to have, that you have to find. And if you can't find this transition time, then it's time for a big change. There has to be a transition time in the day where you leave work and you go and you engage your family. Find it, leave work, and go build your home. When at work, work. Be on time, be a good worker, work hard, put in your hours, bust it, don't waste time. So when the day is over, you can leave. You need to leave and bring your mind with you. So when you're at work, work, number 2, and this is really where I want to I want to hit this hard. Number 2. When at home, invest. When you're at home, invest. I think too many people will pull their car into their driveway in the evening and they think, "Okay, well, I'm here. Good enough. I'm here." and -and so-and-so, my coworker, my friends, they're not, so it's just good enough, I'm here. No, it's not good enough to be physically present because your family can quickly sniff out when you're not actually home. When you're at home, when you pull into the driveway, think, all right, now I've got to invest. Now I've got to invest this time that I just bought back. Our primary investment should be the home. Primary investment, primary investment should be the home. Nothing Nothing, let me repeat that, nothing should get more of your creativity, nothing should get more of your passion, nothing should get more of your love, nothing should get more of your focus than the home. The home is your foundation. We work from our home. If the home is balanced and healthy, we're gonna be way more productive and effective at work. If the home is unbalanced and unhealthy, we're gonna be way less productive at work. The home is foundational, so invest in the home. Here's how you invest in the home. Be creative at home. Be creative at home. Spend family time in creative ways. Families, don't just sit in front of Netflix. Guys, don't just get home and turn on the game. Be creative. Do some fun, family, creative activities. A few ideas. Uh, And you can write these down if you want, but um, just a few ideas. Geocaching. Love geocaching. Did you know that all around us in all the different forest preserves, there are boxes and tree stumps and under rocks, and you can use this little app that gives you directions as to how to get there, and then you find that box, and you open it, and you get to keep what's inside, and then you have to put something else in it for the next person. You know how much kids love that? It's like a freaking treasure hunt. (laughs) App is called geocaching. It's this little green app. Don't download it now, but get it. Um, Other ideas, rent kayaks, teach your kids how to kayak. They might hate it, but they'll have fond memories of it. Uh, Groupon family snowboarding lessons. There's Groupons for that. Uh, Pack a picnic lunch and just go to a park. Uh, Google silly festivals and then just take the family to go laugh. Um, go freak out your kids and take them to a graveyard in the evening and have them find the oldest tombstone. It'll freak them out. It'll be hilarious and fun. Not everything has to cost a bunch of money, right? Go to a museum. Cook a meal together. Just make, um, I, we've been trying to do this on Saturdays. Saturdays, we, uh, we just cook a meal together as a family, and then we light a bunch of candles. It's just our special family dinner, and we all cook it together. Um, but be creative. Heaven forbid, heaven forbid that our offices and our places of work get more creativity and passion than our homes. So be creative at home and use those times. Use those creative times for meaningful conversations. Know your family and let them know you. Don't just have creative, fun family times, but make them meaningful and have deep conversations. The hardest conversations that you need to have as a family can be in those fun, creative family times because people just let their guards down and they're having fun. So be creative. Uh, But secondly, remember the marriage. Remember the marriage. I almost didn't add this. But I got toward the end of prepping this, and I just felt like God was saying, you got to hit this. Remember the marriage. Remember the marriage. The marriage is the foundation of the home. I'm going to say that again. The marriage is the foundation of the home. Here's what happens too often. It's happened in my house, and I take responsibility for it. Too often... Too often, the marriage starts out fun, right? It's fun, newlyweds, kind of sexy and adventurous, you know, date nights and road trips, and it's awesome. And then at some point, a doctor hands you a crying, romance-sucking monster (laughs) called a child. And they're awesome, right? They're awesome. And they need us, and God has entrusted them to us. What happens too often is we receive that child, and when we receive that child, the role of husband and wife take secondary to the role of mom and dad. And that kills the home. It kills the home. And it is so unhealthy for our children, and it throws the home off balance. Husbands, in here, your first responsibility in the home is to your wife. Okay? Husbands, your husband first. And wives, your first responsibility is to your husband, you're a wife first. And that is foundational. Your kids really need that. And I may get mommy blogged up for saying this, but I, I, I just gotta give this warning. Parents in here, if you are too overprotective of your children, just like freak out if anything happens, you will not find balance as a parent, as a spouse, as a person, your, your home will be unbalanced. And, and this is a bit of an epidemic today. And I say this with as much kindness as I can, but don't let that happen. Don't be that overprotective parent, protect the marriage. Yes, our our children need us, but what they need most from us is what we easily forget, making their mom priority, making their dad priority. And a healthy marriage gives them that security and that balance for them. This is hard. And again, my my home struggled with this. Um, There was a period of time where, and I hate to say this, but I stopped dating my wife And there's a period of time where my wife saw herself more as a mom than as a wife, and it was all on me. I take responsibility for that. And since then, we've changed course, and it's been awesome. Uh, My wife is an incredible mom, extremely capable. Um, She takes three kids and their friends to the grocery store. I think she took like five kids under seven to the grocery store this past week. I mean, she's unbelievable. She's a very good mom. But something that I appreciate even more about her is she'll do little stuff here and there. She'll just make little things fun to remind me that she's still my girl first. Like, she's a mom, but she shows that she can rock the wife role, and it makes me want to date her all the more. So husbands, date your wives. Take her out. Get a sitter. Give her a reason to change from yoga pants to that hot dress you like, (laughs) right? Wives, find ways to remind your husband that you're still his girl. Grab his hand. Put your head on his shoulder. Be creative with the marriage, I'll stop there before it gets to PG-13, but just remember the marriage. Remember the marriage. So when you're at work, work. When you're at home, that's your time to invest. So you've exogarazzoed that that time at work and now you're gonna invest it into the home. A few uber practical ways to apply this, these are simple suggestions, but I really think this could help a lot of our families in in our church. Um, Number one, few simple suggestions. Number one, let your worlds collide. Let your worlds collide. Let family and work collide. I actually don't trust someone who who keeps their work completely separate from their family. Family doesn't know anybody at their work, and work doesn't know anybody in their family. Everything is completely separate. That's not good. That is not healthy. There's a lot of temptation there. Let your worlds collide. When When you're with your family, talk about work. Talk about what you do at work. Tell your kids about what you do at work. That might inspire them to do what you do. Just talk about work. And don't be just negative and whine about work when you get home, but talk about the good things. Talk about the projects that you're working on. And if you can, bring your family into work. Let them see your office. Let them meet your coworkers, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. I have some of my most fun memories are sitting in my dad's office doing homework. And uh, sometimes he'd even bring me into meetings if they weren't confidential because he'd have those confidential pastoral meetings. But he'd just bring me into meetings when I was a little kid, and I got to see my dad at work, and I loved it as a kid. So I tried to do that with my girls, bring them into the work with me once in a while, just kind of sit on my floor and color on the on, on the floor. Uh, they love visiting Pastor Brian's office or stopping by Melissa's desk or um, pranking Pastor Jordan. They love that. And I can't do that often. I can't always bring him into work. I got to get work done. But once in a while, every once in a while, it's just kind of fun to let those worlds collide. Uh, I remember when I was little, my, my mom would bring me to my grandpa's uh, factory and he couldn't really take much time. He got like three to five minutes, but I would bring him a donut and we would just eat the donut. Um, there in the factory and I just have fun memories of that my grandpa loved it It was just kind of his worlds colliding and so if you're a stay-at-home in here I have so much respect for you stay-at-homes in here consider this though Consider packing a lunch and bringing it to your spouse's office and having lunch with them in the office with the kids If, if they if you can do that my wife will sometimes bring the kids over for 10 minutes over lunchtime And we'll just eat a picnic lunch in my office. I love that my girls love it world is colliding so consider letting your worlds collide. This isn't the reason to do it, but I will say this. When this happens, there's a little bit more grace from your family when you have to work overtime. Because you're not out, out, off at some like work that they don't really don't know about, they don't know the people, but they're at home thinking, okay, I, they're, they're at work and they probably have that project with, with so-and-so that they work with in the office that I've been in. There's just a little bit more grace from the family if the worlds are colliding. Number two. Put down your phone. Put down your phone. Just put it down. This right here may be the reason that many families are so imbalanced today, so enthralled with our phones. Just put them down. It wasn't long ago, and many of you remember this, but it wasn't long ago that the only way to reach you at home was to call you on your home phone. And now you can be reached via text message and, and phone and email and Facebook message and Instagram DM. I mean, it's just it's overwhelming. And so when you get home, put down your phone and pick up your kid. Unless they're in middle school, then that's just weird. But <laughs> put down your phone. Just so put down your phone. Put down your phone. Your mind needs it. Your family needs it. I would argue your spirit needs it. So just put down your phone. Uh, number three. This might be a weird one, but let's just talk about it. Hold family meetings. Hold family meetings. When I was little, we had something called family business meetings. We got an FBM tonight at 6.30, a family business meeting. And we would just get together and we'd have a meeting. And a lot of times, uh, families, and I love it when families do this, they have devotions, and you should do ha- devotions with your family. That is great. Uh, do them. But my dad had figured growing up, he's like, man, I'm the pastor. They're always hearing from me spiritually. So I want them to do their devotions on their own, and I'll check in with them. But when we get together, I want us to have family business meetings. He didn't want us to have to hear him preach twice. And so we'd have family meetings, and they weren't lecture sessions. There were family meetings, just updating the family as to where we're at. Hey, this is going to be a tight month this month. Hey, mom's got this extra work thing going on, so we got we to gotta be on it this month, all right? We just, family meetings. So if there's a health issue in your family, if there's a financial issue, if there's a schedule change, if there's a new house rule, gather the family, hold a meeting about it. We do this with offices, don't we? We do this with businesses. We do this with churches. We have meetings. We should do this with families as family units. So hold family meetings and be open during them. Update the family as to what's going on. Let the kids participate and talk about what's going on and make them fun. Just make them fun. Corny, sure, but very needed. Family business meetings, consider having them. Uh, Number four, pray over your family before the day. Pray over your family before the day. I wouldn't say this is a suggestion. I would just say this is necessary. Pray over your family before the day. How many of our mornings look like a bat out of hell, right? I mean, it's just like, we're up, make the bed, cook breakfast, clean up, get dressed, fight for the bathroom, where's my sock? Move, 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 move. How big of a difference would it be to take just two minutes, just two minutes, and grab your spouse and pray for their day, and pray for what they got coming up that day? Wives, how much more love would you feel if your husband did that for you? Men, what if our children saw dads get on their knees by mom and pray over their day? What would it do for their little minds? Moms and dads, uh, grab your kids and pray for your kids' tests and tryouts coming up that day. What if our mudrooms weren't just like rooms for like, find the sock, find the shoe, get your coat on. What if our mudrooms were also the place where the family gathered before we all left we just prayed for each other before the day and then we left and went throughout our day? How much more intentional would be be as families throughout our day? And what would that do to our kids? Pray over your family before the day. This is actually something that Pastor Jordan, I didn't even ask him to. He just popped in my office one day and said, hey, you praying for your wife before you leave for work? I was like, not as much as I should be. And he's been keeping me accountable for it. It's just been huge. It's been huge for my wife. It's been huge for our family. And I just want to challenge you to do the same thing. Pray for your family before work. Number five, err on the side of eternity. Err on the side of eternity. You will be faced with the decision, it might be this afternoon, it might be tomorrow, it might be next week, but you'll be faced with the decision to miss a kid's game or let down a client. To miss a family event, a date night, or miss out on a work function. To miss out on designated family time or a work project. And you're gonna have to choose. And once in a while, let's just be honest, once in a while, work's gonna have to win. Because it's just life. Sometimes work will have to win in those situations and it's difficult, but sometimes it's just, that's just reality. But zooming out, err on the side of eternity. The scoreboard should always show the home winning. The home team wins in our homes. We're not going to drop the glass ball. Fact of the matter is, you're going to let someone down. You're just going to let someone down. I feel like I've let more than a few people down in recent past because I've been a little bit imbalanced when it comes to this. It's just going to happen. A ball is going to get dropped. Which one are you going to drop? Tennis ball or the glass ball? Error on the side of eternity? What matters most when it's all said and done? What really matters most when it's all said and done? Is it that client, or that meeting, or my own flesh and blood? If you're gonna err, where are you gonna err? Air? Error air on what matters eternally. I've said this before, but I, I just think it bears repeating. Um, this is something that I have to remember for myself. Someday, someday someone else will have my title And someday someone else will be sitting at my desk. And someday someone else will be sitting in my chair in the conference room. And someday someone else will be preaching behind this pulpit. I am not a big deal. Someone else can and will do it. And I hope they do it way better than I do it. But something that nobody else can do is be a husband to my wife and a dad to my daughters. Nobody else can do that. Not while I'm alive. So I'm not going to trade something that, that only I can do for something that anyone can do. I'm not going to trade something that only I can do, lead my family, for something that anyone else can do, my job. Don't make that trade. err on the side of eternity. Don't trade something anyone can do your work, for something nobody else can do, lead your family. Don't make that trade. Err on the side of eternity. As Paul wrote here in Ephesians, he says, "Walk carefully. Be very, very, very careful. Make the best use of time. Work hard. Bust it. Be the best dang worker your company has ever seen. Show up on time. Don't be a bum. Don't dawdle. Don't waste your time. Buy it back. Get that time back. And then invest it into the home. Because the home is fragile. The home can shatter. The enemy wants nothing more than to see your families like this. Because the days are evil. So when you're at work. Work. When you're at home, invest. Last week, my dad um, was up here uh, preaching, and he, he talked about some of his regrets when it came to this. If you're here, if you remember that, I talked about how he was on his um, chair one day, and he was on his laptop, and was struggling to get away from his laptop during family time, and my sister kind of crawled up in his lap. And if you remember that story, he just talked about how he had some regrets when it came to this. And so I, I figured that I would be the gracious son and, and stand up here and just pile on and really give you the scoop. Um, you know how often he'd forget to pick me up from school? It was like a, it was like a joke. Anytime I arrived was late, my teachers would look at me and go, oh, your dad's picking you up today. Uh, I had a really rough growing up. I, um, when I was 17, I flew to Romania by myself. I was there a month, flew back, figured out my connecting flights. I was so excited to see my family after a month, so excited. I called my family from Romania the night before, said, I'm coming home tomorrow. I can't wait to see you. All is set. The Romanians gave it me this beautiful send-off very early in the morning. I get into O'Hare Airport expecting to see my family with signs and gifts. Nope, dad forgot me. <laughs> this is still when we lived up in Wisconsin, so I had to find a pay phone, call him up, and then I had to wait for him to make the trip from Wisconsin down to O'Hare. And sometimes people will ask me, they'll say, is your dad getting senile? And my response is always like, well, he's always been like that. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> No, in all seriousness, I want to talk about my dad for just a little bit. Um, My dad got up here and shared some of his past regrets last week. And without contradicting him, I I want to share with you my perspective. Um, Something that he would never share with you uh, because he's a humble man. But as his son, I just want to get up here and and tell you the real story. My dad worked three jobs when I was little. Here he is. Um, He worked three jobs. Um, You know, some people say they work like 80 to 100 hours a week. I don't always believe them. Usually, I think they're clocking like 50 hours a week, which they should be, but it was true of my dad. My earliest memories were living in a rented house, and my dad had just started a church in the area, and the area was nicknamed the Graveyard of Church. It's a very difficult place to have a church, and he wanted to start one there. It felt called there. And so during the day, uh, he would be at this church building, building the church with his own hands. Here he is in the, the basement pouring concrete, figuring out how to do that in the basement uh, of that church. I still remember my dad taking me out and hammering nails at the church um, in the evenings, teaching me how to do that. This is one of my favorite pictures of me and him sitting on the foundation of that church. And I still remember some of the conversations he would tell me as a little kid, envisioning a church, Junior, this is where, this is where the people are going to be, and we're going to love these people, and we're going to tell them about God. And he was just making his worlds collide as a dad, as a pastor, as a construction worker, just kind of bringing them all together. And so he had a small little church church. Church couldn't pay him really anything, and so he'd, ha- he'd roof houses in the afternoons and the evenings to put food on our table. And somehow in the nights, in the evenings, he was still able to study for sermons and mentor new believers and serve my mom and, and play with us kids. Like, He may have shared some regrets with you, but the guy's a rock star. Uh, worked hard, like really hard, roofed houses, built the church, pastoring. Then after he built the church, he built our first home by himself from a kit um, and all that extra free time that he had. And uh, there's me in that rad 80s coat there just kind of getting in my dad's way. But he just needed to spend some time with the son and get some work done so he brought me with. And uh, rarely had a dependable car, new clothes or insurance. But my mom and my dad were bound and determined to balance the family well because the families that they grew up in were not balanced well. And so they had gotten together before they had kids and decided, no, we're going to balance this well. We're going we're to figure this out. We're going to break this cycle. And so even though we had very little growing up, my mom here in her awesome 80s glasses, <laughs> she stayed home to raise us kids. And I'm not saying daycare is bad. I mean, to each his own. I, I, don't, I don't judge you one bit if you put your kids in daycare at all. I'm, I'm just saying my parents made huge sacrifices to be with us kids. And my mom put a career on hold and my dad worked extra hours so that she could stay home. And, it's probably why I have a lot of memories of my dad taking me to the, to the office because he had so many little windows of opportunity uh, to spend time with me during that time, so he just took me to the church office to hang out, and now we hang out at the church office all the time. But my mom, my mom was always coming up with these creative, at the time, dumb family ideas. They were so lame at the time, you know, but they're so fun to look back on now. Like We went geocaching before the app and hiking because it didn't cost money and crafts at the kitchen table. And Then when I got into grade school, my parents, they... Uh, they took on a couple extra, like, little side jobs so that they could buy us a boat. The most jankiest looking boat in the world. I'm surprised it floated. But us kids, we didn't know the difference, though. We had well, we so many fun family memories of, of cruising, cruising, the, cruising the, uh, the Madison Lakes and that, that piece of crap. But it was so many fun memories, though, in, in that thing. Then as I got into high school, my dad struggled to find something that him and I could do together. We didn't like the same sports. Because I'm 6'2 and he's not. <laughs> um, I liked basketball and he liked wrestling. There's just we didn't have many common interests. And so my dad got really creative and thought for a while and, and he bought us scuba diving lessons. It was something that he could do with his son. And so we would dive shipwrecks together. Lake Michigan has a bunch of shipwrecks that are fun to, to dive. But so he may have got up here and said he had some regrets, but I just want to say my family balanced, or my parents balanced family like champs. And I don't say that to brag, That's not my goal at all. I I don't wanna wanna come across that way at all. I I know some of you longed for a family like that. I, I say all that to say this. My parents didn't have parents who invested enough in their homes, but they figured it out. They figured out balance. They made tough decisions and huge sacrifices for that balance, and yes, it cost them money and it delayed my mom's career and it put friendships and hobbies on hold for a season, but they figured it out and they did what it took. And now looking back, I look back on my childhood and I think, man, that was pretty awesome. It was a pretty awesome childhood. And I want all of our kids in there to think the same thing when they can become adults. Like today, um, one of my best friends is my dad. And I told him that he had, he had his gallbladder out this week. And so I called him up. I said, Dad, I, you're getting old and you're going to have surgery. <laughs> and I just want to let you know you're one of my best friends. And, uh, and I'm not just saying that. I love hanging out with him. It wasn't always like that. There were some tough years. Another story for another time. But today we're just, we're good friends. My wife, get this, my wife asks to hang out with the in-laws. She just loves being around my dad and my mom. She loves it. My my siblings love hanging out around the house. I mean, I don't know about you, but I want that one day. My wife and I, we have this, this shared vision of the future. We both share it. It has nothing to do with careers. It has nothing to do with, like, cars or nothing to do with, like, what's in our bank account. It's that parenthood TV scene like when I'm old and gray I want to be sitting at this big table this big old table my hot old wife right by my side and my daughters and their families all gathered around and sharing memories about what happened way back when I want that one day I want my kids to be with me when they don't have to be and I want the same for you and I want the same for your families but that doesn't just happen it takes years of investing and balance to get there. It takes investing in the future. It takes closing that laptop and just going home. It takes putting down your phone. It takes sacrifice. It takes having difficult conversations. It takes create, creative family time. It takes balance. You can do it. You can do it. It is so worth it. So look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time. Hey, thanks again for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Better yet, hit that share button. Maybe screenshot it, share it with your friends. Thanks again for joining in. And until next time, God bless.